I was thinking just a little bit before I came up. And I remember when I came into church, one of the uh, the word or words that I heard a lot was being on fire for Jesus. The phrase, being on fire for Jesus. That was big back then. They were on fire. We know what that meant when we said somebody was on fire. Some of us was encouraged when we saw somebody on fire. Others sat back because they weren't on fire. They sat back and judged. Uh-huh. I remember. Some judged because they weren't on fire. And the ones that were on fire, they were like, yeah, they're on fire for Jesus. And I remember talking about that a lot, being on fire for Jesus. And if you ever seen somebody on fire, they not staying still. They burn and that fire's burned them. They can't stay still. And I don't know what happened to that phrase. I don't hear it much anymore, being on fire for Jesus. It's like nobody on fire anymore. My challenge to you tonight is, will you be on fire for Jesus? Don't worry about your neighbor. Don't worry about your spouse. Don't worry about your children. You be on fire for Jesus. If you read the book of Acts, there were certain uh, words that were used. The, 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 the Bible called some of the, the men of God in the book of Acts uh, um, unlearned. <laughs> and so usually when you're on fire for Jesus, you don't seem like you real smart to people. <laughs> and so that's probably why in this temperature, this day and age, we're not on fire for Jesus because we don't want anybody saying, what, what's wrong with you? Hey, relax yourself. You're unlearned. But I'm telling you, if somebody think you're unlearned for when you're serving God, you're probably you're probably on fire for Jesus. And why they said you're unlearned. Then they talk about men hazarding their life for the gospel. Oh, yeah. Go to book of Acts. People, men of God hazard their life for the gospel. And I don't know what happened in this day and age. I just really believe we're just so smart these days that, you know, we take all of this stuff that God has shown us, revealed to us for granted. But I want to go back to being unlearned. I want to go back to, un, uh, to hazarding my life for the gospel. I want to go back to being on fire for Jesus. Mm-mm-mm. I want to be on fire for Jesus. And I pray and I try to... I hope I can encourage some of you tonight to be on fire for Jesus. Because I realize there's, there's so much to be on fire for Jesus. But one of the things I realize is if you're not on fire, you don't feel like you're involved like you should feel. And when you don't feel like you're involved, it's easy to just, eh, I won't even be bothered with that. When you're on fire... Oh, man, you're being bothered with everything. What are we doing? <laughs> what happened? What happened to the days when God's people was on fire? I know there's still some people on fire for Jesus. But, boy, I used to be around some people that I knew was on fire for Jesus. People that hazarded their life for Jesus. 
We had early morning prayer, and the prayer is supposed to be at 4 a.m., and guess what? People were trying to get there at 3.30 because they were on fire for Jesus. They was in competition to see who could wake up the earliest to get to the prayer room to pray. That was people being on fire for Jesus. I want to get back on fire for Jesus. I pray you want to get on fire for Jesus. Because if you want to get on fire for Jesus, you will be on fire for Jesus. Let the Holy Ghost fire just consume you. And so I pray that as we go into prayer tonight, you will call upon the name of the Lord till the Holy Ghost fire begins to burn. See, when fire begins to burn, the, the, the closer you get to it, the, the more you're going to feel it. <laughs> and, and so when you begin to pray and the Holy Ghost fire begins to burn, something begins to happen. And one of the points that I've made in my walk with God, which probably sometimes frustrate me personally, is if I don't feel like I'm on fire, I push hard. And, I, and I'm, I'm just, just, just honoring if, I'm, if I don't feel like I'm burning. If I don't feel like when you touch me, Stace, you get burned, I'm ornery. I don't want to talk to nobody. I want to, I want to at all times feel like I'm burning. I'm on fire. And so I challenge you tonight to say, God, I want to be on fire for you. That you go before God and praise that God, I want to be on fire for you. When you get on fire for Jesus, it's like nothing else matters. I know other things matter, but it just seems like nothing else matters when you get on fire for Jesus. And people will even think, what is wrong with you? But you're just on fire for Jesus. And things that are just trivial and things that are just... You know, if it doesn't contribute to you being on fire, I don't want to hear about that. Just the way it is. Let's go before the Lord in prayer tonight and ask him to just consume us with the fire of his spirit and tell him you want to be on fire. Not just when you're here tonight, but you want to be on fire every time. That when you walk into the house of the Lord, I remember one brother, he used to walk in the house of the Lord and he just walking, woo, and just began to pray because he was on fire for Jesus. What happened in those days when we just hit? the sanctuary, and we just want to pray. When we hit the sanctuary, and we just want to light the place up with the fire that's burning with us. Mm. Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I don't know if we have just learned so much about you that we're no longer interested in the deeper things. We're no longer interested, Lord God, in truly letting the fire of the Holy Ghost burn within us that, Lord, all who look upon us can tell that we're on fire for you. And, oh, God, if nothing else, I come tonight and ask for your forgiveness because I am not on fire the way I think you want me to be on fire. I am not on fire the way I used to be on fire. And, oh, God, I pray tonight that you will forgive me, Lord God, for allowing myself to be in a place of not being hot like fire. Oh, God, will you forgive me, Lord Jesus, for not allowing the fire of the Holy Ghost to consume me and just overshadow me and burn, almighty God, like an uncontrollable fire, almighty God. Forgive me, Lord Jesus, for not allowing you to 
consume me as you want to consume me. Tonight, Lord God, I ask that you will be merciful. I ask, Almighty God, that the fire of the Holy Ghost, for greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And I pray tonight that the fire that is within me will begin to burn, Lord God, that I will be burnt up, Lord God, to the point where it would just be the fire, oh God, that people will encounter, that Lord God, I'll be hidden, and oh God, you will be revealed, that I will be hidden, and the fire will just burn, oh God, have your way tonight in me, in us, as a people, as a church, Lord God, I pray that we will be on fire for you, Lord God, individually and collectively, that we will be on fire, Lord God, and that, Lord, we will not be able to contain ourselves, because in the fire of the Holy Ghost burn, oh God, we will just go with where you take us, and do what you command us to do, and submit the way you want us to submit to you, because the fire of the Holy Ghost will begin to burn in our lives, and oh God, we will be consumed, oh God, we want to be a consuming fire, oh God, that you can do whatever you want, that this world can see, oh God, who you are and what you want to do in their lives. I pray tonight, Lord God, that this church, Lord God, will be set on fire, that this church, Almighty God, will be consumed with the Holy Ghost fire, and that, Lord, we will do thy will, we will do thy bidding, and oh God, show forth the praises of the Almighty God. Have your way in us. Have your way through us. Have your way, Lord God. Thy will be done in this place tonight. Thy will be done in us, Lord God. And when we leave this place, the fire will continue to burn. The fire will still consume this offering, this sacrifice. Have your way in us, Lord God. We want your will to be done, Lord. Speak to our hearts, will you, tonight, Lord God. That this word, Lord God, will accomplish your will. I pray that somebody will hear and respond in faith and obedience to the word of God. That somebody will be filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That somebody who needs a miracle will receive their miracle tonight. Oh God, have your way. We call on you tonight, oh great God. Have your way as we give you the praise and the honor for the there is none like you, none like you, Jesus, none like you, Jesus. Oh, have your way, have your way, have your way. Oh, glory be to God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Somebody say thank you, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. We want the Lord to just set us ablaze and that we will be on fire for Jesus like we've never been. Set us ablaze, oh great God. We need you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Please, if you can, turn with me to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to begin in verse number 15. Ephesians chapter 1 will begin in verse number 15. 
get into the word of the Lord tonight and see what the spirit will say to us and what the word of God will instruct us to do. Amen. For the next few weeks, we'll see how this goes and how the Lord leads us. But for the next few weeks, I want to talk to you on this topic of blessed and privileged people, a blessed and privileged people. That's a very, very uh, wonderful statement about the people who are blessed and privileged. Uh, when you look around sometimes, you know, we, we take this blessed and privileged thing the wrong way. <laughs> uh, the, the generation of young people and kids that are around today, uh, they have experienced blessings and privileges that some of us did not uh, receive. And, and instead of them realizing how blessed and privileged they are and try to do something good about it, all they want to do is soak it up and say, keep blessing me, keep giving me the privileges that I have. And I think sometimes that even spill over and even some of us Christians that's been serving the Lord for a little bit, our lives say that we are, we know we're blessed and privileged, and instead of us wanting to help others be blessed and privileged, we just soak it all up for ourselves and keep it to ourselves, being blessed and privileged. So we'll talk about that a little bit tonight, and um, in the next few weeks that's coming, that we are a blessed and privileged people. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 1. Verse number 15, the word of the Lord says in verse number 15, wherefore I also, after I heard, this is the apostle Paul here, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints. Paul says to the Ephesian brethren, I, I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love unto all the saints. And so we, we can pause right there and ask ourselves as Christians, as people of God that, that has been born again of the warden of the spirit, uh, can we say we have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? And can we say we have love unto all the saints? Verse 16 says, because of that, he says, I cease not to give thanks for you making mention of you in my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Verse 18 is our key verse. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that ye may know what is the hope of his calling mm -hmm. and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might 
and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And had put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Those are, those are some really powerful, powerful, impactful scriptures that we just read. And so I'll talk to you tonight on this topic because, yes, we are talking about, as far as the series is concerned, a blessed and privileged people. But tonight, the subtopic for the blessed and privileged people is our riches in Christ. Our riches in Christ. And so those texts were really, really powerful. Let me start by sharing this with you. This man was one of the most frightening creatures anyone had seen. He lived in the country of the Gadarenes across the lake from Capernaum. This country had a mixed race of people, technically part of Israel, but it was mostly inhabited by non-Jews. Yet Jesus went there to minister. Every time I read the scripture and I see a text that will point out what our Jesus is all about, I got to show it and speak about it because our world is suffering from it. Right? This day Jesus went to minister in a town where people wouldn't like him. Jesus was a Jew, in case you didn't know. And so he were ministering to people that weren't Jews. Mm-hmm. 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 And so our world is suffering from so many things, but here we go. We, we, our God is teaching us that we should not be partial to any gender, to any race, to any creed, to any nationality. All we're supposed to look for is who don't know Jesus, who is unsaved, who is lost, and they are the ones that we focus on that we may reach out to. We're going to love everybody. We're going to love our brothers and sisters in Christ, and we're going to love those that don't know Christ, that we can help them to know Christ. That's what our Jesus taught us. And so we're going to follow our Jesus that we better make sure that we don't allow anything to separate us from loving people. Doesn't matter where they're from, doesn't matter what they look like, we're supposed to love them and minister to them. No sooner had Jesus stepped out of the boat than this wild man approached him, ranting and screaming. The poor fellow was possessed by demons, cast out of the nearby town, he was forced to live among the tombs. Mm-hmm. The townspeople feared him, and rightly so. They had tried many times to bind him with shackles and chains, but it was no use. The demons seemed to have given him some supernatural strength, and he simply could not be bound. Day and night, he roved among the tombs, and over the mountainside in screaming torment. You know, we like to give people a hard time and 
get on people or, you know, kind of have our own opinion of stuff. And we never know what people are going through. This dude was possessed by demons. And it's easy for us to speculate and believe that everybody is okay. And when we look and realize that they're not being the way we think they should be, we're ready to give them a hard time. We're ready to talk about them. We're ready to put them down because why aren't they acting better? And this scripture is letting us know this man was being controlled by demons. His behavior was not what he wanted to do, but it was just what he could not help but to do because the demons was in control of him. I wonder how many people are in control, maybe not physically possessed, but maybe consumed in a spiritual way by demonic forces and voices, and they do things that are uncouth and ungodly and unrighteous and sinful and, 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 and hate, hateful, and we look at it and we just assume that how can they do such a thing as opposed to stop and say, there's demonic forces working in our world, and I am an ambassador of Jesus Christ, and I should be looking at that person to say, how can I help them? How can I minister to them? I know Sister Sharon, and I know Sister Cummins understand that, maybe even Sister Scarlett, all the nurses, because you encounter people that you know, they're not in their right mind, and they need medicine to keep them right. And sometimes, is it really just sickness physically, or maybe they're struggling with some demonic force that has them bound? And as nurses, you have to be sympathetic, and you have to work with them and do the best you can to help them. Do we do that to everybody? Do we do that to the world? Or we just start saying how they're all messed up, man, and this and that. It is likely everyone else ran for the boat to escape the crazy man. Because that's what people thought of him because he was demon-possessed. They thought he was a crazy man, but not Jesus. When the demons speaking through this helpless man challenged Jesus, he did not hesitate. Jesus cast out the demons, allowing them to enter a herd of pigs, Brother Henry. The swine immediately headed for the cliff and plunged themselves to death. The townspeople, seeing what Jesus had done, suddenly became afraid of him. You may have missed that in the story when you read it before. When Jesus cast out the demons out of the man and they went into the pigs and they, the pigs went and killed themselves, people who saw that happen were now concerned with this Jesus. Who is this guy? I don't know about him. And they started walking away and moving away from Jesus thinking something was up with Jesus. Uh -huh. Church, why am I saying that? Why am I bringing that to light? Because when we're on fire for Jesus, we're going to do some things where people are going to think we're strange and we're weird and they're not going to want to be around us. But you don't have to worry about that. Just keep showing them love because sooner or later, they're going to know you're not crazy. They're going to know you're doing the things you're doing because you're a child of God. You're full of the Spirit of God and you are 
are not crazy, but you're just on fire for Jesus. Uh-huh. They implored Jesus to go and leave them in peace. Can you imagine they telling Jesus we good? If they're telling Jesus I'm good, they will tell you I'm good. We, we shouldn't get so concerned about people's response to what we will tell them and show them about Jesus. Because if they reject him, they sure enough will reject us. So no need to feel bad because we're in good company when we get rejected for telling people about the gospel of Jesus. As Jesus and the disciples returned to their boat, the man followed them, begging to be included in their number. He had finally found something good in his life and he wanted to keep it. Mm -mm -mm. You find Jesus, you better hold on to him with everything you've got because there ain't nothing better than Jesus. Nothing better than Jesus. But Jesus said no. He wanted to hold on to Jesus. Jesus said no. You can't roll with us. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine that? Instead, Jesus instructed the man to stay and tell everyone what God had done for him. Oh, man. I don't even know if I'm going to get too far with that lesson today. It's so much. Listen, when God works in your life, he wants you to let people know and see with their eyes that God has done something in your life. When you run into people who you used to know a long time ago and their statement is, I remember when you used to, you ought to smile about that. Because what it means is God has done something magnificent in your life and all they can remember is the old stuff because what they're seeing now is not like it used to be. Jesus says, no, stay. He instructed the man to stay, to tell everyone what God had done for him. And I know sometimes people get on our nerves and we want to just not be around, but we got to let them see and know what God has done for us. You want to prove to yourself you living for God, be around some people that used to know the old you, and now you just let them see the new you and tell them what's going on about the new you. Uh-huh. And so it was that this demon-possessed man became one of the first and boldest evangelists. For he went his way and published throughout the whole city how great things Jesus had done unto him. Isn't that amazing? That now this man, that used to torment the whole town. They used to be afraid. I can remember this growing up in Jamaica. We used to have some people where we didn't want to go close that we call it Madman. And we didn't want to go around them because they look crazy. And you try to stay far from them. You never got around them because you're just like, I don't know what they will ever do. That was this man. And so all of a sudden now he's not walking around naked. All of a sudden he's not walking around with his hair all messed up. All of a sudden he's not walking around now looking crazy like he want to hurt you. Now he's looking like a normal person like you. Woo! Because Jesus wants us to see and he wants to show through us what the possibilities are for all of us. 
And so Jesus told that man, you stay right there and you just be a witness and you just let them know what God has done for you. And sure enough, people would see him. I'm sure it took them a while. Same thing happened to the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was going around persecuting Christians. When he became converted, people were like Christian people. were like, uh, we don't know about him. We, we, we heard about him, so we don't want him around us. But he just kept on being a man of God, preaching the gospel, and living it out to the point where they says, oh, he's the real deal. Mm-hmm. And so God wants people to see what he can do in your life. God wants people to see what he has done in your life. This is why you hear me say so many times that we have to live like Christians and have joy that we demonstrate. We can't walk around as Christian with our face look sour. I know you're going to say, well, I'm just not a smiler. I hear you. I don't know what else to tell you, but what I'm going to tell you is if you are always walking around unpleasant and not demonstrating the love of God and not living a life of Christ with excitement, uh, people are going to want to know. They're not going to want to know what's going on with you and why, you know, things are different with you. They're going to say, okay, you're no different for anybody else. We have to let people know we are living our best life. I only got three of you. That's what the world out there is saying. That's what they're going after. The world is saying, I'm living my best life. They have no clue. They are deceived. Living your best life when the end of it is what it is? We ought to be the ones walking around with a big smile and and just with excitement saying, I'm living my best life. And guess what? Is so much more to come of it that I have not even seen yet. The day is coming where this best life that I'm living is going to be even bester. We better walk around like we live in our best life. We can't be walking around like we barely making it. Oh, these people are lost and they think they're living their best life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> over and over, we see this pattern repeated both in Scripture and in history. Those who have been greatly blessed by God are often greatly motivated to share that blessing with others. So, church, let me say this to you. I had to jot this down as the thought began to come to my mind. Listen to this. Maybe there are many of us who don't really believe we are a blessed people of God. And we may be waiting for some big, obvious thing to happen in our life before we can start walking around and saying the things that that demonstrate our appreciation for God. I don't think we walk around like we are blessed and privileged. I don't think we walk around like we appreciate what God has done. And so my question is, do we even really believe that God did anything for us? Or are we just saying things? Yeah, he died on the cross. Yeah, he gave his life for us. But how do we live that life to say we appreciate it? How many people had... You came to the place where you know, you know, you almost died. 
and you're living now. I'm sure you walk around appreciating life now because you know it almost was snatched from me. And because of whatever the case is, you might not believe Jesus did it. But you know now you better live life and enjoy it. Because why? It was almost taken from But we're not living like that. We're living like we deserve this life. So it's just, it's what it is. It's how it's supposed to be. And so we're living like that's the way it's supposed to be. We're not living like we appreciate what God has done. Let me tell you how warped we are in so many ways. Some of us don't want to live. to you for a big miraculous thing to happen to you. All right, I don't, you might have missed it. So in order for you to really appreciate God the way you want to appreciate God, you're going to have to be dead and in a coma for three days and Jesus is going to have to come and touch you and raise you up. Then you're healed. Then you can live in appreciation. Do you want to be in the coma for three days? Bottom line is, stop waiting for that big thing to happen to say, yeah, girl, Jesus did this for me. Yeah, man, God did this. You better stop waiting for that because if you wait for that, it means that you're going to have to go through some stuff. So what he has already done, you better live in a Appreciate what he's already done and what he is doing. He don't have to do no big thing for me to show the world who Jesus is to me. I'm not waiting for the big thing. Because the big thing, it means you're going to have to go through some stuff. Some of us, what do you want the big thing? To lose your home, to lose your car, to go broke, to be on the street. And then he bring you back. That's what you want. That would be something big you can talk about. But it we want. We're living like until something big like that happened, guess what? It's no big deal. I think we need to start appreciating what he has done thus far for us and stop living life saying, Yeah, I'm waiting until he take me to heaven. We might never get to heaven living like that. We might never get to heaven if that's what we're waiting. I don't know if you get to the gate. We got to praise him now. When the Bible says, don't wait for the battle to be over, just start shouting now. Start praising now. Start giving glory and honor to God now. Don't wait for the stuff to be over because you already know what the outcome will be if you know who Jesus is. Uh Uh-huh. I'm not waiting for something big. I'm going to shout now for what he's already done. I'm going to shout now for Calvary. I'm going to shout now because he filled me with his spirit. I'm going to shout now because he gave me life every day to live on. I'm going to shout now because he has blessed me with the health and strength necessary for me to keep living. The Bible tells us that as children of God, 
we have a rich inheritance. For we just, we, we, we got to realize what God has given unto us as his people. For just a moment, think about your family. Whether you are a parent or a child, you can understand the desire to enrich your family's life. Parents strive to give their children the best. All their needs met. How much more does our Heavenly Father desire to bless us? Do you ever stop to think about that? That the people on, on this earth that say they love me, they will do whatever they can to show their love. And they are fallible humans. Think about the infallible God we serve that wants to bless you and he will do whatever it takes to make sure you're good. We are blessed because we are chosen by God. Maybe you have not personally known a strong family relationship. Even so, when you were afar off, God saw you. He saw you in your hurt and in your struggle. He saw the pain and the tears. He saw the brokenness. When you felt like you were far away from God, he was closer than you realized. <laughs> God saw the gap sin had created between us and him, and he did something about it. He did not leave us to struggle on our own. He came to us. What a God we serve. Uh-huh. He manifested himself in flesh and became the sacrifice that will bridge the gap and draw us close to him. Jesus said, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will I draw all men unto me. The work at Calvary was the work done to draw us unto him. God has blessed us by giving us purpose. I don't know if some of you know this guy by the name of Craig Groeschel. Seems like a nice guy. I've never met him. But he's a big leadership guy and pastors a church and fairly big church. And um, he posted a quote the other day that I found interesting. This was what... On purpose. All people end up somewhere in life. But few. Uh-huh. End up there on purpose. If we're going to get to heaven, it's going to be because we're living on purpose. If we're going to be on fire for Jesus, it's because we're living to be on fire on purpose for Jesus. Do this thing by just just the purpose is to live the life that he has put before us on purpose.
coming to our, our Bible study tonight was not something that, 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 oh, well, I guess maybe I didn't have anything better to do. <laughs> I like to laugh about that a lot of times. Because, because I don't know how much we stop to think about that, that there are some people that's doing this on purpose. They're not doing it because they don't have a life that's important like yours. Uh, you know, that, that's what we want to tell ourselves. Well, you know, they they can show up as much as they show up because, eh, you know, yeah, I'm a little bit more busier. I got other things going on. You know, I got three kids. They only got one kid. Yeah, and we tell ourselves these things. <laughs> Last week, Wednesday, when I flew to Florida, to go check I, I, I landed at 5.38 and I needed to be in Port St. Lucie because Joe and Barbara wanted to get baptized and I baptized them um, as we have talked about um, got there at 8 o'clock baptized them didn't get back to our hotel till 11.30 at night and we landed at 5.38 my mom keeps laughing at my little sister because she's like, poor Daisha. <laughs> she didn't know what she didn't know what she signed up for. All she knows she's rolling with Big Bro, but she have no clue what Big Bro do. <laughs> so poor thing. I made sure I fed her. I made sure she was good though. You know, her room was nice and comfortable. I made sure she was good, but boy, she didn't know what she was bargaining for. But we did that. I think it was Thursday or Friday morning. Joe called me. Hey, Pastor. I said, what's going on, Joe? He says, man, I didn't know you was coming down here because your father was sick. Joe, he's sick, and that's why I was coming down there. He said, well, I just appreciate you taking the time out to come and baptize us. I appreciated that. I appreciated that. I told him I really appreciated that because he realized something. He realized that. I was coming to do something significantly important, which is to go see about a man that's really sick and dying and needed to see me. And I wanted to you know, pray for him and talk to him and encourage him and all of that stuff. But I still made sure I went baptized in Jesus name. They could just take it for granted if they never knew and just think, well, he a pastor anyway. That's just what they do. <laughs> oh, God, I'm just trying to take. You know, he could have sat back in the bar and sat back and said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, no need to call him. That's just what pastors do, right? They just do what they're supposed to do. And he just kept moving. But he called because he realized that I didn't have to do that. Because, whether you know it or not, there are some people that are supposed to be doing this that it's like a job to them. Yeah, they're, they're, they're people that's doing God's work like it's a job. That's scary because I couldn't last doing it like that. I have no talent. I have no ability. It's only what God gives me that I am I'm, I'm able and get enabled to do what he does. So I'll be a crazy fool to try to do this like it's a job because it would never work me trying to do it like it's a job because you need God to do what he does through you and in you to make this get done. But there are some people that treat this like it's a job. 
It's unfortunate. But I've seen it. They're not on fire. But we're going to be on fire for Jesus. <laughs> we're going to be on fire for Jesus. When we show up, people are going to say, who are you? Because the fire, they're going to know the fire is burning. We called down to Port St. Lucie. They must have thought we were crazy. I know they're probably thinking, and I didn't even say this. I know they're probably thinking, well, why didn't he just send them to us? And why didn't he just, you know, see if they'll come to our church? What's, what's this all this fuss about? That's probably what they were thinking, Stace. Why is he, he just, no, because whatever God put in my path and whatever God tell me I need to do, when God bring people to me, I treat them as royalty because God brought them to me. I didn't bring them to me. And when God do what he does, I'm going to give the best that I can because it's God's business and not mine. And to me, yes, it seems simple. And to probably the regular naked eye person, it seems simple that why don't we just tell Joe and Barbara to give them the information and let them call the man up and get that. Oh, no, 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 no. You do what God tell you to do. And if that if God brought them to us, we take care of them. Our purpose is the hope of his calling. For that is our life's purpose. Jesus calls us according to his purpose. So his purpose becomes your purpose. Your purpose is not what you come up with in your mind. Your purpose is not what you look out and see and says, well, I think I could do that real good. That's what I'll do. Your purpose is what he calls you to do. I'll take it further. You know what his purpose is for your life? This is where we start. Jesus's purpose for each and every one of us is the same. <laughs> I know you got some different talents than I do. Yeah, but we still are called according to the same purpose. What is that, preacher? That purpose is that we be transformed to become like Jesus Christ. Oh, that's always tough, boy. When, when, when we preach that we need to be transformed to become like him, we start getting concerned because we're saying, ain't nobody like Jesus. Well, Jesus said that it is his will that we be transformed and be like him. Mm -hmm. And so we need to be transformed to become like Jesus Christ. What else? To show forth love to our world. What else? To be righteous. What else? To be holy. What else? To be a witness. What else? To disciple others and totally submit to him in all things. All of us are called to do that. To be transformed. To become like Jesus. And when you become like Jesus, what are you doing? Show love. When you're transformed to become like Jesus, what are you, righteous? 
When you're transformed to become like Jesus, what are you? Holy. When you're transformed to become like Jesus, what are you? A witness. When you're transformed to become like Jesus, what are you? A disciple makers. Oh, when you're transformed to become like Jesus, you're totally submitted to him. Now that I've said those things, go and look at his life and tell me, did it just line up with his life? When he walked this earth, what was he? Love. When he walked with this, 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 this earth, what was he? Righteous. When he walked this earth, was he holy? Yes. When he walked this earth, was he a witness? Yes. When he walked this earth, did he make disciples? Yes. When he walked this earth, did he submit to the plan of God? Yes. So if we're supposed to be transformed to be like him, that's what we're all called to do. That's all of our purpose. Nobody is exempt from who we are supposed to be when he called us. Now, we might do it a little bit different because he blesses with different abilities and talents. But as in a whole, we do it all like that. We're supposed to all be that. God has blessed us and enabled us to live a new life. Oh, man. We're a blessed and privileged people. When you are born again of the water and of the spirit, you become a blessed and privileged people. What comes to mind when someone mentioned the word royalty? Because that's what you become when you become a born again of the water and of the spirit. You become royalty. Oh, ho, ho, ho. Most people expect members of a royal family to conduct themselves differently than common people. When I watched the royal wedding a few years ago, some people was watching it because it was just different and all this stuff. And because I can't help it, everything that goes on with me always going to lead back to Jesus. I couldn't help it. I'm looking and I'm saying, we're drawn to this wedding because it's different from all weddings that we have seen or even what we have done ourselves. And so this royal wedding is different. So we're all looking in. What are they doing? Why does he have a uniform on? And why, you know, her, her gown had to be, you know, long and all. And, 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 why, and we're looking. Everybody look. Oh, that's so different. You know why? Because it was royalty. Everybody was locked in and tuned. So that's a glimpse of if we live our life the way we're supposed to live it as children of God, royalty, everybody will be looking at us. Oh, you know. <laughs> if we live this life of Christ as royal priesthood, people are going to look at us wherever we go. They're going to be staring. They're going to be looking. And when we get married, they're going to say, whoa, what's going on? D, everybody was looking at your wedding. That was in the house with you. <laughs> but the bottom line is, because of who we are, people will check us out if we live the life we're supposed to live. Uh-huh. The royal family. They raise their children with certain expectations. My children, don't tell me about your friends. You are royalty, and I'm raising you as royal children. Don't tell me nothing about nobody else's 
children or your buddy or your girlfriend or your boyfriend or whatever. Don't tell me nothing about that. I'm raising you as children of God who are royal. If the kids that you go to school with are not Christians and their family are not Christians, raising them as royalty, you're different. Stop telling me about what they do. I want to hear it. Your royalty. Let them look and say, oh, my goodness. And they know it, too. So the thing is, I've always told the older ones, the thing is, the, the people you go to school with, listen to me, Matthew and, and Jordan, the kids that you go to school with, they know you're different. And sometimes what happens, the adults can't handle this, sometimes what happens is they look at you, Matthew, and know you're different. And in a little, little way, they kind of envious, and they try to pull you down to become like them. They're not saying it, but I'm telling you what's happened. Because if you keep that standard high as a royal priesthood, a child of God, and you're living it, they know you're different. And in order for them to feel good about themselves, they got to pull you down. Don't go down there with them. Keep on being royal. Keep on living that life of royalty. Walk around with an air about you. So they say, why is he acting like that? And you just show them love in the midst of that because then you're showing them love and they're like, they don't know what to do. Because you're carrying yourself as royalty, but you're showing them love. They can't handle that. The problem becomes, listen to me careful, the problem that we will have is when we're going around showing our royalness because we're children of God, and then we turn our nose up and we don't show them love. That's where the problem comes in. But if we live this life in Christ as royalty and live it and show them love, they don't have a choice but to say, what do you do? Who are you? Where do you go? It's the way it works. You hear me, Josiah? You on campus there? Let them know you're different. You ain't got to say it a whole lot. Just live it out. And they're going to say, why? And then they'll try to make it seem, Jordan, like he's just always lucky. Tell them it ain't luck. You are a blessed and privileged individual. It's not luck. It's because God is on your side and he's your daddy. It's not luck. It ain't luck. Don't let them tell you it's luck. Tell them you're blessed and privileged because you're a child of God. You've been born again, washed in his blood. And that's why you are experiencing all these good favor. And then you just show them love. Don't be standoffish. Just love them. And then they're going to know. And then they're going to want to be what you are. And they won't try to get you to be what they are. Because they realize that what you are is big time and it's good. And there's something good about it. We're raising our children differently. Because we're royalty. We're royalty. That when we are calling ourselves royalty... Everyone around us is going to expect us to live differently. Royalty means you live differently. Royal people live like royal people. So being a member of a royal household, you have the means to live that kind of way. Jesus Christ is your king. He's your provider. He's the one that supplies all of your need according to his riches in glory. And so the same is true for us after being brought into God's royal family. 
we are given riches beyond words. When we are accepted into God's kingdom, we are expected to live a new and different life. And by the power of the Spirit, we are able to do so. God values us so much that he purchased our lives with his own blood. Our rescue from sin by the blood of Jesus is not complete until we allow our lives to be changed into the image of Jesus Christ himself. Church, hear me. What I get concerned about is we know what Jesus Christ has done for us to have the life that we have. And unfortunately, if we don't live out the life that he has died to give us, then we make what he has done of no effect. All that he's done for us to be blessed, for us to be privileged, for us to live this life that we live. All that he's done, if we don't live right, if we don't live according to the way he wants us to live, then guess what? It's of no effect. Now, there's some that will always believe. There's some that will always. So it will be for some that, that do what they're supposed to. It will be all right for them. But so many of us are going to miss it what he has done for us that we may be blessed and privileged. We got to live out that thing in order to receive what he has done for us. In 2 Corinthians 6 and 18, we read, and, and, and the, the scripture says, and will be a father unto you. Sorry, Patrice. And ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. He calls us, God calls us his children. The family of God is made up of both Jews and Gentiles, all of whom were indeed or need to be born again of the water and of the spirit, receiving the adoption of children. Mm -hmm. When we understand our place in God's family, we will want to live like we want to help God reach this lost world. This desire comes as the Holy Ghost reveals more of Christ to us. The Spirit grants us knowledge and wisdom. Therefore, the revelation that comes from God will lead to a deeper understanding of who Jesus is. God's gifts are directly connected to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. The more we come to know Jesus Christ personally, the more we should demonstrate his attributes and possess his inheritance like we've never shown I believe that we need to dig a little deeper in knowing who our God really is. Understand the things that he has done and is doing for us. Because I believe until we get there, we won't put the, the, the we won't show the excitement and the zeal and all that we need to show because of what he has done for us. Acts chapter one, verse number eight says, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. God uses the church, that is those who are in Christ, to help rescue lost souls. So when, it, it's, it's so important that we become born again of the water and of the spirit. yes. For us to have our way where we will be saved and all that. But part of it also is for us to be a witness. Some people just want to get the Holy Ghost to say, oh, I talked in tongues. 
but the Holy Ghost is much more than just us talking in tongues. The matter of, as a matter of fact, the Holy Ghost is not talking, is not tongues. The Holy Ghost is God's spirit dwelling in us. Okay, talking in tongues is just evidence that God's spirit is in us. Uh, help us, Lord. God uses the church, that is, those who are in Christ to help rescue lost souls. After being rescued from sin, we are equipped with power to lead and teach other lost souls. For those of us who have had our spiritual eyes open, though we still only understand in part, we find ourselves in unique position of possessing the ability to lead those who are spiritually blind to this great light. I don't care how long you've been living for God. You are equipped. Once you surrender your life, you're born again of the water and of the spirit. You're faithful to God. You are qualified to help lead somebody to Christ. Uh-huh. Will you allow your riches to increase by putting them to work? Or will you bury your riches that he has bestowed upon you? Uh-huh. Salvation is God's work alone and not ours. But God's new creation demands good works. These good works are the crowning result of God's salvation in our lives. Good works are not the cause of salvation. They are the fruit of salvation. So sometimes, here's what I'm saying. You got to challenge yourself and say, can I really say I'm saved? Don't get frantic. Let me talk to you, Matthew, because they, they probably not listen to me, what I'm saying. So, Matthew, sometimes what you want to do, because I know you're a student, you're a good boy. Just challenge yourself sometimes and says, how can I say I'm saved, God? I know I'm saved, but how can I say I'm saved? Does the fruit come from my life that say I'm saved? Because the Bible tells us what the fruit of the Spirit is, and we should see, see the fruit of the Spirit in our life, but then... We ought to look around us and say, what is it producing, though? What are we saying that's happening around us because we say we're saved? And that's what we're supposed to do, Matthew. Always challenge yourself. Never let yourself be comfortable. Adults, a lot of adults have made themselves become comfortable and live for God. You don't do Just keep challenging yourself. And when you don't feel like you can look around and see fruit of who you say you are, you ought to go to God in prayer and say, God, I am not satisfied. I'm saved. I know I am. I know I know who you are. I know I've repented of my sins. I know I got baptized in your name. I know I'm filled with your spirit, and I'm doing everything I can to live right. Why am I not seeing the fruit of what I should be producing? Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with going to God about that. And I think that God is probably waiting for some of us to come to him like that. He says, I, I, I was waiting so long for you to get like that so I can get you on fire for me. But if we never get to the place where we're looking around and checking for fruit that should be following us, then guess what? We'll just comfortably just keep on doing what we're doing. But just know that. If you know you have done what you need to do to be born again, to be saved, but you're not seeing the fruit of who you're supposed to be, you ought to go to God with a little bit of, uh, a little saltiness. A little saltiness. Because it's his spirit in you that does the work. And so it's, it's incumbent upon him to work in you for you to do those things. So what you're doing is going to him and say, what am I doing wrong? Because if I'm not doing anything wrong... 
Why, why am I not seeing what's supposed to happen around me and in my life, God? We can do that. We can do that. And we need to do that. I close up. God's work of redemption is a finished work, but his purpose also finished task of restoring dignity and dominion to humanity. God has promised to work in us what is well-pleasing in his sight. Experiencing resurrection power is a prelude to a final restoration of all things. God is wanting to get us to demonstrate his riches that is in us because we are a blessed and privileged people. Somebody say amen. Will you stand with me? Last night I talked to our leaders. We always have our Wednesday night call at 730. I talked to them about the doors that God has left open for us. If we want to walk in and possess the building that we need where we can be able to come together and do all the things that we need to do. Um, it's there for us. But we, as the people of God, are going to have to get on fire for Jesus. We're going to have to really do his will for him to uh, do his part. But he, he, cracked, he opened our eyes just a little bit to let us see that even when we don't know what's going on, he's got it. It's just up to us. And church, I got to tell you, I got to tell you, I got to tell you that it's time. This is what I asked the other day. I asked myself in my heart, the Lord reads heart so he knows. I said, where do we know of a thriving, powerful church in the Northeast? I asked myself that. Where? I'm talking about a church. I'm not talking about fancy churches. That's just having a lot of people. I'm talking about churches that are impacting people's life where people are coming in to say, I want to be saved. I'm talking about church that's impacting people's life where you're healing about healing and miracles and demonstration. I'm talking about a church where. these days and I'm saying God where is that church because really what I was saying and he probably smiled at me really what I was saying is God I want to be connected with people that are about your business where are they in the northeast that's, that's how I feel I said where are the people that's really doing your work in the northeast God where are they because I want to connect with them he ain't tell me yet and I know if he haven't connected me with them, it means he's calling us to do that. It means he's calling us to do that. He's calling us to do that. He's calling us to be real, just just living this thing the right way. Not living this thing just like everybody. We cannot live this thing like everybody else. I'm concerned that if we live this thing like everybody else, 
How will our world here in the Northeast be impacted? Right now, we in the New York area, the Connecticut area, the New Jersey area, and the Philadelphia area, we are the ones that have to deal with corona more than anybody else. Nobody have to... And I'm not saying the rest of the world. I'm saying we are the most densely populated And 60 our population resides there. D.C., Boston, 60% of the United States reside in this little area. So we're going to fight Corona harder than anybody else because we're too closely connected. We need to live for God like a different way. Since that's what's going on with us, we need to be living for God a different kind of way. I am not telling you everybody shouldn't be living like that. And the challenges that we have... I'm sorry, 9 million people in New Jersey. Our district, the North Central Jersey District, is probably looking at about 7 million of those 9 million people. 7 million people from Central Jersey to North Jersey. 7 million, and we have 16 UPCI churches. 16. How do you think we're going to reach this world? We don't have time to play around. And we're playing games. Two preachers in our district just told me, wrote me a letter, resignation. They're resigning. Their church will close. It's done. You know why? We need to plan. So when we're done, the work is not done. When we're done, we've got to stop being selfish. This is what I'm saying. We're all living our life like when this is over, for you, it's over. Nobody's living their life like, man, I can't wait to get out of the way so I can watch the next generation do it and I can help the charity moment before I leave here. I want to see you do your work, do the work of God, Matthew, while I'm still living. I don't want you to do the work of God and I'm in the grave. I want to see the young people do the work of God when I'm on the sidelines, cheering them on. And they can come to me and say, yo, elder, I, I, I was preaching about this the other day, but I felt, hey, what do you think about this, elder? And I can say, well, yeah, that's something that I experienced today. <laughs> I do not want, if God tarry, that I get old. And then guess what? We got to close this church. All of us need to do what we're supposed to do. We are a blessed and privileged people. And because we are, we need to go reach other people so they can be blessed and privileged. And so the work of God will continue. Listen, we all can, we all need to be honest. The day.
He's on his way. Jesus is on his way back to retrieve, to gather his people. And we need to be on fire. And we need to be doing his will. We need to be on fire. We need to be doing his will. Let's one more time pray for that prayer again that we be on fire. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I don't, I am not trying to make us be special from or different from anybody else. All I'm saying, Lord, is let us do our part, Lord God. And I know, Father, we cannot do what you want us to do if we're just laid back in the cut. If we're not on fire, Lord, we cannot fulfill your purpose. And so, Lord, I pray tonight, inside of us and deep down in our heart and take root and with the Holy Ghost it will create fire in us a kingdom mindset, Lord God. Rip out of us and remove from us all selfishness, all self-centeredness, all lackadaisicalness, all, oh God, lackadaisical behavior. I pray tonight, Lord God, that the power from on high will move and overwhelm and overshadow and burn within us, Lord, that we will go forth and, oh my God, you will open up eyes to see the things that we need to see. Oh God, I pray tonight that you will draw into this church. Oh God, people of all background, of all nationality, of all tongue. Oh God, that you'll bring them into this house and that they will get to experience the presence of God and they will get to experience the strong hand of God and they will get to experience the revelation of Jesus Christ and they will get to experience Lord God deliverance take place in our heart in our life and in this church almighty God We thank you tonight, oh God. We love you, Lord Jesus. There is none like you. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Oh, great God and King, we love you. We love you. We love you. As we go from this place, bless your people tonight. Let them realize they are a blessed 
and privileged people. Let them understand, Lord God, that they have riches in you, Almighty God. I pray that they will be encouraged. I pray that they will be excited. I pray, Almighty God, that the love of God will just come and they will show the world what the love of God is all about. Lord, we love you. We thank you. And we adore you for all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Hallelujah! Clap your hands unto the Lord tonight, for He is good, His mercy everlasting, His truth enduring to all generations. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. God bless you. Have a wonderful evening.